Hello, everyone. <laughs> We've been having the most interesting conversation with the people that are sitting around our table right now. So, welcome to Sundays at 7. Okay, guys. We're so excited about this week's Enneagram podcast. And the reason is because we are talking about the eights, the challenger, the or the asserter. Mm. And we know a lot of eights in our lives. And so instead of just having one person on, surprise, we have three. Wow. So everyone, let's welcome Tommy and James and Shanda. Okay, so really quick, we're just going to go around. You can give a little 10-second blimp of your life, just so the uh, listeners kind of know a little bit about you. Yeah. Go ahead. Who wants to start? I feel like I'm in small group. Who wants to start? <laughs> Who wants to start? <laughs> I'll start. Go ahead. Um, my name is Tommy Bradley. Um, I am married to Caitlin. He's my boo. <laughs> About a year now, going on a year. So, that's nice. I... Lead a 10th grade small group at Calvary Christian. Been doing it for seven years. My Enjoy it. Love it. It's making me age a little bit, I think, though. Mm. But it's all good. Cool. James? My, my name is James Bush, and I'm a youth pastor at Calvary Christian Church. I serve a student ministry that is somewhere around 130, 140 students, and then around 150 when you had our adult leaders in. And so we, we have a... Pretty awesome youth ministry that was built by the person to my left right now and, and her husband. But uh, I'm, a, I'm a privileged to serve. I've got a wonderful family. Randa's my wife. I have a daughter, Riley, who's four years old and probably is an eight, although you're not supposed to type your kids. And then a son who maybe is a seven at this point. Uh, oh, certainly David. loves things, but David is, a, is about 20 months old. All right. Hey guys, my Save name is Shanda Crosby, and I <laughs> am <laughs> I am Kaitlyn's mom, and Caleb okay. and Keegan's mom, and Crowder's oh. grandmother. Which is the what best does he part. call you? Uh, BG. BG for best grand. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, right. I'm ready for this to be over so that I can get the little dude in my arms. Oh, yeah. Stupid corona. Um, I am a high school teacher slash learner, meaning that most of the time my students teach me. And so I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're what so you, happy to wait, have everyone. What do you teach at? I teach journalism at George Rogers Clark High School in Winchester, Kentucky. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so this is the first time we've ever had three people on the podcast. Yeah, this is... Normally it's just one. Mm -hmm. So we are really, we got a nice little panel here. We're going to have a, they're all eights. They've all tested as eights, except for one who quite possibly could have tested as a two, but we can get to that later. Um, <laughs> but they all tested at eights, but it's yeah. so, <laughs> it's so cool because even though they're all testing as the same number, they all come at it from different viewpoints. And so mm -hmm. I'm really excited to listen to how they answer some of the questions that we have for them. I agree. So. Let's get started. Um, this might be a long one, Let's get started. <laughs> I'm just going to read. So we're talking about the eights, like we said, the challenger or the asserter. And the eights, um, unlike any number, they have the most energy out of all numbers. And so what's super cool about an eight is that they can walk into a room and you can feel their presence because they have so much energy. Even though it, it might not look like a bouncing off the wall kind of you, you've had... Too much <laughs> caffeine energy. It's a different kind of like energy. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to read this overview really quick. It says, We have named the personality type 8 the challenger because of all types, 8s enjoy taking on challenges themselves as well as giving others opportunities that challenge them to exceed themselves in some way. 8s are charismatic and have the physical and psychological capacities to persuade others to follow them into all kinds of endeavors, from starting a company to rebuilding a city to running a household to waging war to making peace. Eights are, uh, I'm going to read this at the very top too. It says they are self-confident, strong, and assertive, protective, resourceful, straight-talking, and decisive, but can also be egocentric and domineering, which is crazy. You had something cool to share in that book, what did it say? Well, it's kind of the, basically the same thing that you said, but 
Um, I think one of the biggest things that I took away from the group when we had it with Randa, we love Randa, she's famous. Yeah. Shout out. I love Shout Randa. out. She is famous. Um, but one of the things I remember about the ape most is that they're a lot about justice. Like, mm-hmm. they want the truth no matter how they're going to get it, they want the truth. Like, justice is served. And I think that's one of the main um, things I remember about yeah. eight. So we'll see if that rings true with actual eights here Yeah, <clears throat> definitely. So let's go ahead and get started with the first question, and it is, how did you find out about the Enneagram? Well, I found out about the Enneagram because the my husband, Steve, some of you may know Steve. Steve was on the podcast last week. Yes. yes or two and weeks ago. He killed Shout it. Out. He did. He did such a good job. Uh, he, the staff at church did the Enneagram, and then Kayton, my daughter, started talking about the Enneagram, and I hate personality tests and think they're bogus. And so, but I started taking it because everyone's talking about it. And then I started reading about the eight, which is where I tested. And I thought, oh, maybe they're not so bogus. Hmm. Kate said the same thing when she took the test. I did. That was very, um, like my mother of me. (laughs) It was pretty revealing and enlightening. Mm -hmm. What about you all? How'd you find out about it? Obviously, Rand. Yeah, my wife. We actually were in Hilton Head with some friends, and we were coming back from that. This is a couple of years ago. And she said, hey, there's this test called the Enneagram. And I thought it was some kind of cult. Uh, thing. I was like, maybe we shouldn't do that, you know. <laughs> and but we took it, and it was. It was re- it was revealing then. And then we kind of, I don't know, she maybe kept with it. I didn't. And then a couple of years ago, it kind of started to prop back up. And, and now my wife is gung-ho about it. She reads books about it all the time and listens to podcasts and... Uh, she sends me stuff daily about my number and her number and how we can be more compatible. <laughs> so, Raina's yeah. kind of the one that got a lot of us started. Or a lot of our guests started, too. We've had a lot of guests who it kind of traces back to Randa because James and Randa actually had an Enneagram Bible study at their house, and that's kind of where we all took the... The Enneagram has multiple different tests. So you can take, like, the smaller version or you can take the bigger version, and we actually all paid to take the, like, 150-question one that took, takes forever. Mm-hmm. But it, it gets down into more detail and kind of gives you a better analysis of your number, so... But they're the ones that kind of got a lot of us started. We've actually adapted that into premarital counseling. And so that's part of the, when, you, we, when we go through counseling, we do that. So, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, no, that's what we did. Caitlin and I had uh, premarital counseling with Shanda and Steve. Mm-hmm. And we did a test. I don't know if it was the Enneagram, but it was a personality test. And I remember feeling going into it that I was so misunderstood, I guess. And I remember after taking the test, Shanda was like, or I guess Shanda and I were the same, whatever it was, whatever kind of personality test it was. And she started saying things exactly how I thought about them. And I was like, what? I'm not the only one? This is crazy. Somebody sees my point of view. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's the first time I heard about it. Yeah, it's actually really funny because when Tommy and I did our premarital counseling with Steve and Shanda, Tommy tested the same as Shanda, and I tested the same as Steve, and so it was, like, really cool to see two other people that, you know, we've definitely looked up to for years have the same exact... So the people who had been married for 30 years telling you all getting ready to be married how it was going to be with the sevens and the eights. And it was so funny just (laughs) listening to how, like, similar, like, y'all's relationship was to ours. It was cool. All right, so how did you all feel when you found out that you tested as an eight? Um, well, apparently I was an eight way before I even knew what an eight was. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I some, knew Tommy was an eight before he even tested We had eight. family in Georgia, like, I don't know, about a year ago, and they're all like, what number are you, what number are you? And they're like, oh, Tommy's for sure an eight, for sure an eight. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, but okay. You don't know me. <laughs> but they did. <laughs> yeah. And so I remember on our way back from vacation, we were actually in the vehicle, and they were like telling me to take this big personality test. And I finally took it, and they're like, oh, yeah, we knew it. You were an eight. You were an eight. And I almost wanted to, like, lie about some just so I wouldn't be an eight. <laughs> here I am. Here you are. What about you all? What was the question? <laughs> How do you feel? Oh, well, I mean, everybody had already told me, so, you know, I tried to test that it wouldn't come out to be an eight, but it didn't work. Mm. No, you did it truthfully. I did, because truth is a thing. Mm -hmm. That's funny that, 
I feel like maybe our eight's like the number that people can suspect the most, you know? Like, oh, you're definitely an eight. They yes. take in there an eight. I feel like they're a lot of times the most like. Yeah. I think Randy has said that the easiest to type. Yes. Maybe yes. that's why you think Riley's an eight. Riley, I think, is an eight, though. Mm-hmm. James's yeah, daughter. Sure. She's she either is. a seven, eight, Woo! eight, sevens. I mean, isn't it? She's because she loves that fun, too. We were over at their house the other night and. And Randa started talking or something, and Riley was like, oh, I'm sorry, Caitlin, that my mom talked over me. Oh, my <laughs> it, was, it was so <laughs> hilarious. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hilarious. that's my right bug. <laughs> um, so maybe, James, can you tell us what you tested at? Yeah, so and... the first time I ever took it, it was Nate. Because I was in the car coming back from Hillnet. Um, but then when I took the actual test, I tested, I was one point away, but I tested highest in two, and then eight. And I had forgotten completely what all the types were, so at this point... I knew we were going to lead our staff through this, Randa and Kathy mainly, but uh, Kathy, one of our colleagues. And then I was going to help, and I looked at this, and I started reading it, too. I was like, well, okay, that sort of sounds like me. And then I read the eight and thought, nope, this is me, because I, I cannot stand to be betrayed. I cannot – if people – if you go around the truth with me, that's like, that's like being deceptive. I, I don't understand not just telling people straight up what it is. No um, beating around the bush. No, because because that's just, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of everybody's time. It's just like we got to be delicate. We can't say anything. Um, and and um, so, you know, I, I've been tortured endlessly about that I scored higher in a two. But actually, eights, <laughs> when they're healthy, move to a two. Um, but I identify as an eight. Are there any other eights on the staff? Or were you the um, yes. You don't have the name of the Yeah, there were choice. a couple of others. Okay. There were a couple of others, and a couple of others who scored high as a, as a second one. Right. Um, we had the most on our staff are nines. There were like eight nines, so eight peacemakers. Wow. So that's, when we led the thing, I said, okay, by the end of this, we're, we're half of you are leaving the island. <laughs> oh, too many of you. Uh. <laughs> um. So really quick, I wanted to go into eights are in the gut triad, right? And so um, where we're sevens, we think a lot with our heads. Or if you're a two, three, or four, you make decisions, think with your heart. But if you're an eight, nine, or one, then you go with your gut inclination. And so eights are very decisive. And they're very, like um, earlier Tommy was saying, you know, I make a decision. I don't really regret that decision because at the moment that was the right decision to make. You know, so I think that's really cool. Yeah. You're a man of a lot of wisdom. He does. Mm. He does. Psh. Tommy's yeah. just a little bit shy. <laughs> He's warming up, though, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He's not shy. He just doesn't have time for all this nonsense. He's a doer. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Shots fired. Yeah. It's nice to have somebody in the corner. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. All right. Let's do some comic relief here and change the path and say if eights were an animal, what do you think they would be? Okay, I will go with a bear. A bear. Mm. Yeah, like, uh, you know, cuddly and fun and playful, but then do not cross me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is true. She just shot daggers at all of us when she said that too. (laughs) I wish you could see her eyes. (laughs) That's a good one. What do you all think? Oh, for me, it's a lion. Yeah, I mean, but it could be any apex predator, something that's at the top, something that's at the top of the food chain. Um, hmm. So, yep, that's that's what I would say. It's a, it's it'd be hard to be anything else than that. Mm. Um, mine for sure is definitely an elephant. Let's say they're very, uh, you know, when they're present, but they don't always have to assert themselves. They just know that Everybody's everybody knows. Hmm, the elephant in the room. Exactly. <laughs> that is one thing. So yes. every week we've been saying when this number walks into a room, what do they see? Mm-hmm. And so last week as a seven, when sevens walk into a room, they think, is this going to be fun? Like, where's the party at? Like, is this going to be worth my time kind of thing? So when eights walk into a room, they typically think, who's in charge? Are they capable of being in charge? And do I need to step in? And so, what? It, but that could be a little bit different. That's just the general idea. What do you all think about that when you walk into a room? Mm-hmm. I would definitely test to see if the person's competent, the person who's in that piece, position of power, is that person competent. But I'm not really, I've tempered my eightness as I have gotten older, and I don't think I would step in 
to lead, I would probably just be skeptical or maybe leave if I didn't think the person was competent because it would be a waste of time. Just like earlier when I said, like, the bear, do not cross me, it doesn't mean disagree because I like when people disagree. It means uh, don't try to manipulate me, don't be contrived, don't lie, you know, Amen. call a spade a spade. Call us, but you know how many times I've heard that phrase. That That's my phrase. That's my phrase. Let's call us baby spade. That's funny. What do you guys see when you walk into a room? Um, when I walk into a room, I would. It depends on the scenario. Like I like to walking in a room in something that I understand. So. I like having groups and talks and back and forths because I understand them and I can relate with them. What I don't like is being in front of cameras, on stage, in front of microphones because <laughs> I feel like it's not as authentic. Oh, yeah. We've just got some, we built some layers back just now. Yeah, so yeah. I don't, I don't necessarily... <laughs> you people say shy. No, no. Yeah, I don't say you like you people. She just pointed to me. <laughs> <laughs> the only time they had a panel of three. <laughs> oh. So when I walk into a room, I don't want to like take charge, but um, it depends on how competent I am in that environment. If I feel like I know what I'm talking about, I want the charge. If I don't feel like I am, then I respect the person in charge. Ooh. I imagine there's a we were on our way to Gatlinburg on a youth trip this past fall and and one of our buses broke down and so we knew we had to turn one of our buses around and I went through it quickly and we're driving through Jellicoe Mountain and I went through which bus had the most space to be able to turn around and I knew when I got to the bottom of it it was Tommy's but I knew when I called Tommy that he was going to test my decision I knew it I knew it before I called him I knew it and I called him and he wait so do you know who he called first me. Could, yeah, that's right. So I called right. So I called you first because I knew I had to, this, this was going to be a this was going to be a whole operation. Uh, but then he calls me back and he goes, "Wait, why do I have to turn around?" I'm like walking through. It's like Tommy, I've gone through this. You're the only. You're the only one. So I, he had to test the competency, and I knew I knew it had to happen. But I, because of, because I know I'm an eight, you're an eight. I, I can appreciate that. So that's it's funny. the same for me. When I walk into a room, is the person competent? And if they're not, I'm I'm out. Okay. I really like this question. It's one of my favorites. I don't know why. I think it's because it's concise and to the point. And so if you could describe the wonderful eight as like just one word or one phrase, what would that be for someone on the street who needs a quick answer? Well, I would definitely go with call a spade a spade or tell me the truth or don't talk. Oh. <laughs> um, I would say for me, it's definitely justice. Hmm. Yeah, I could go with either of those. I, w I would say intensity. Yeah, I could see that one. Intensity. Yeah. Passion as well. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Okay. And also, the quote could be, um, um, only dead fish swim with the flow. Because we don't like to do that. Wait, explain that. Um, fish swim against the flow because that's where they have to go to breed and be fish. <laughs> but it, we like to be alive and we like to be active and we like to be accomplishing things. And so we will oftentimes go against the flow because other people, you know, go with the flow. And we, it's, it's a challenger. Yeah. Mm, you know, if, is there the a better way? We're going to go that way and see. And we do also understand that we do have to go with the flow sometimes, but our I think our nature is to not. To test the waters. To, to test the waters and to see if there's a better way that's more productive. Because we like to go 110%. We like to be, we like to accomplish. And you're not followers. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're not someone who just goes along with the pack. You stand out. You're different because you're seeking something different than what the typical person is. I feel. Mm -hmm. I think after you've wrestled with it, I can follow. If 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 I've wrestled with the situation enough and, I, and I've asked the questions, why? Why are we doing this? Why? Why now? Why are we changing? Why this initiative? Why this project? If I if I feel like the answers have satiated my my desire to make sure this is not stupid, then then I can follow. 
but only then. Yeah. Mm. Um. So whenever the coronavirus started getting, you know, like crazy, they, they someone came out with a list of like this is how a one would react, this is how a two would react, a three. Mm-hmm. And the eights at the very bottom, it says eights wash hands less in defiance <laughs> because they were, everyone was like saying, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so then I went to Tommy. I was like, Tommy, you need to wash your hands. He's like, I am not washing my hands. <laughs> and I was like, That's hmm. not true. I wash my hands. He does. I'm just saying. It was just funny because it would, you know, they're defiant. They're trying to type me over here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, every week with every number, we always talk about how the Enneagram is a two-sided coin. So on one side is the biggest blessing of your Enneagram number. On the opposite side, maybe the biggest curse or something that you find yourself needing to work on. So um, on one side, what do you all think is the biggest blessing of being or the most encouraging thing about being an Enneagram 8? When I roll out of the bed in the morning, I don't struggle with who I am. And it's hard for me. To, it's, 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 it's honestly, honestly, as I've grown up, it's been harder to understand, empathize. Um, I did as a teenager, uh, but that was there was a lot of things going on in my life. And at this point in my life, though, I don't have identity crises. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I know who I am, and I'm good with who I am. I mean, I know I've got warts, and I've got things I've got to work on. But man, I'm just. I don't. And when people around me. Uh, do that it's really sometimes it's just really it's, it could take me aback because I'm like really why wouldn't you be because I just assume they're thinking the way I think God made you this way you're knit this way you're fearfully and wonderfully made boom you're good yeah um, anyway. what about you all um, I think that eights like to empower the people around them that's positive and that, that kind of maybe goes into how they contribute to the community which we might talk about later um, but well I'm a regular listener so I know she definitely is <laughs> um, but I think that the blessing of us is that we go all into things um, some ministers like to use the term lean in I don't really like that I like to say dive in jump in all in don't just lean and I think eights do that and I think we we're just 110 or a thousand as Caleb would say, he'd say a thousand percent in, and we are very trustworthy. Um, we love authenticity. I think those are all blessings because we don't waste time. We don't beat around the bush. Um, that can be misinterpreted, but it's also a good thing. Mm-hmm. What's the question again? What's the biggest blessing about, or most encouraging thing about being an eight? <clears throat> Um, I would say, um, not having regrets. Um, I'd say just like James said, like when you wake up, I think we're, we're future oriented that I never look at the past. Like whether my past was good, whether it was bad, whether it was, that's why I think in my life anyway, I feel like forgiveness is not an issue for me because it was in the past. Like, I'm always looking forward to the future, and so every morning is new. Um, every decision that I've ever made, there's never regret because I know that was the right decision for whatever reason at that time, whether it was a learning process because it was the wrong decision or anything going forward. But I think just knowing that every day is a new day and there's nothing to look back on because there's always future to look forward to. I love that because we're not dwellers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Can I say what my, I think, I have a lot of, I don't know, do sevens attract eights? I don't know, but I feel like I have a lot of eights in my life. They which, must. I attracted yeah. to one. So. Yeah, yes. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I love about being around eights is they're, like, they don't ever really have secret motives. Like, they just, they are what they are. And, like, if you want a straight answer, you can ask them and they'll give you the straight answer and they'll give you the truth. Even if that does mean that it's a little maybe, like, harsh. They don't, like, beat around the bush. Like, what you see is what you get, and I really like that. There's no, like, ulterior motives or, like, secretive things. Like, they are what they are. And that's, like, important, I feel like, in friendships and relationships. I agree. Yeah. One of my favorite things, it kind of goes along with that, but the verse in the Bible that a lot of people try to, like, beat around the bush, the wives submit to your husbands. Where is that? Is it in Philippines? No, it's in Ephesians. Ephesians. 
it's like the wives submit to your husbands. I feel like a lot of people, you know, they're like, we're not going to talk about this because you're your own independent person. You don't need to submit to anyone, you know. But I like that verse really rings true for me because when we got married, um, I'm just so comfortable. Um, it's not that I'm like submitting, like I'm doing everything he says. I'm just so comfortable with Tommy making decisions and leading us in life because he even if he doesn't make the right decision, you know, it's a learning experience. And I can trust that he's going to make the best decision for us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So I love that verse. I don't know why people don't like it, but <laughs> anyways. Maybe they do now after that. Hopefully. Okay, so now the flip side of that coin. So what do you think is the biggest maybe curse of the aid or something that you all think that, you know, you need to work on, that kind of thing? Well, I think the answer to that plays right into the last thing we discussed, which was, because we don't be around the bush, and because we're direct and straightforward, sometimes that comes across as insensitive. Uh, when we we want to, if there's a conflict or a challenge in a relationship or a situation, we just want to confront it right now and get it done and move forward. And then, but like Tommy said, every day is new. It's the same with that. Like two minutes or one or two seconds after the conflict is discussed out, we're done. We're not, we hold no grudge, we're, we're finished with it. Mm -hmm. But the other person, if they're coming from a different perspective, may not be, and their feelings may be hurt. And we don't get that. We're like, please, you know, put on your big girl panties. You know, we, we're ready to move on. We're done with this. We love you. We, like, we're very loving of the people in our circle. I don't think we let a lot of people in our tight circle, but the ones we do, we're going to defend them and love them and care for them to the end. But, you know, Things we say might come across offensive, but we don't look at them that way. But I get why they are. Like, for me personally, the curse is talking before I consider the other person's perspective. Mm. Mm. You've gotten better at that, though, I feel like. Well, at my age, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little story. Hang on. We had this thing growing up where me and my mom, we're, we're kind of similar. So we would butt heads sometimes. And we had this thing where we would shake hands and we'd say truce. And that, as soon as we shook hands and said truce, that was the end. Like, it was done, it was over, and we moved on. And things were, like, we didn't, like, it wasn't weird in between us, it was tension, it was done. Once we said truce, it was done. And I feel like that's kind of like what you just said. We're very truce people. Like, mm -hmm. okay, it's over, done. I think, um, I think to go along with that, you, you, you gain intimacy from conflict as an eight. And so if I'm having conflict with you... Uh, if we're in conflict, and what what you and I may consider conflict are very different things, you know, I, I can ramp up quickly, and I, but that's not even a tenth of where I could get. Listen, uh, Tommy says that all the time. But but he's like, I'm not yelling. I'm like, you're talking louder. And he's like, but I'm not yelling. This is what I'm, I'm like. Wait a second, what? For for me though, coming away from that, I I I feel I feel the I feel resolved. I feel closer to you as a person. Mm. And I think the other side of that is like my wife is a nine, and she says, you know, nines go away from conflict. They don't want to do conflict, and so uh, that can be that can be tough. And the other the other thing that I think is really hard for eights is to be vulnerable. Um, we do have a tight circle of trust, and to get in that circle costs a lot, and then it doesn't take much to get out of it. And you betray our trust. And it's so easy to, I mean, this is really a work thing for me to not have a blacklist. To put someone, you have betrayed my trust, you are incompetent, you no longer belong. You are out. Uh, well, you are Yikes. out. You are out. And <laughs> it, doesn't sound very, it doesn't sound very pastoral. Um, but a lot of, and I, and I speak for myself here, but my eightness uh, it was formed a lot by some childhood trauma stuff that went on in my life. And so, you know, trust is huge to me, you know, and, and control. And and so those can be things that really become festering. And so it's really important for AIDS to learn how to be more vulnerable. And that's challenging because, you know, I can be vulnerable for a couple of minutes and I'm like, <sighs> like I'm going kind to of soap opera. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. That's interesting that you mentioned like the childhood trauma. I think Randa mentioned when we had our group that a lot of eights are the way that they are because they have experienced a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have experienced some kind of childhood trauma that has pushed them to kind of mature quicker. And so they're very decisive. Like that's what that, like makes them all of these things that an eight is. For me, it wasn't trauma. I had a good childhood, but for me, my eightness comes from 
uh, shout out to my wonderful family who I hope isn't listening, um, <laughs> is the enabling mm. ways that they had. They never dealt with anything. Sweep it under the rug. And that was destructive for me. Like, I didn't like that. So now I go to the other extreme. Let's deal with it now. Even if we're in the middle of church, if something happens, we're going to deal with it now because this is what we do because I grew up with people not dealing with things. Mm. Mm, that's good. Yeah. Um, I think dealing with things, and James talked about conflict is a way of intimacy, is like that's so true for me because if I don't have a conflict, like if you're around me for a period of time and we don't have a conflict, that probably means that there's something not right there. Because to me, if you're close with people, you're going to naturally have conflict. And I yeah. think conflict is good because that's when you you find out about each other. That's how you grow and learn. And I think it's the same way with your relationship with God. Like, if you don't ever have a conflict with God, how are you ever going to get closer with Him? Just like how people, it talks about um, how <laughs> Jacob wrestled with God. and yeah, the, I, said it. That's it. And I think that's just like a natural way because... I know when I'm done with something or over somebody betraying my trust or I just don't think they're competent or worthy, I don't talk. I don't, the conflict is like, okay, I'm walking away. And if I walk away, that means it's not good because I am the type that is about justice and fairness and wants to come in and butt heads and be done with it. But if I get quiet or I don't want to speak anymore, then I think that's when it's very bad for me anyway in my head. And so I think that that's, was awesome. That's also why it's um, could be an Achilles heel too. Is that's the negative side. Is I think too, like you said, with age as you get older, like I think a lot of things I struggle with is a child or even young adult is um, a temper because I'm so passionate about whatever I'm doing or the conflict or whatever it is that like a temper can flare up so fast and so easy and it's so misunderstood because there's so much of this passion inside of me that I want to just like let out but if I'm being stifled or there's a reason why something's not justified then it just comes out in a very negative way um so I would say that's the I don't know what you call it challenge challenge of an eight mm -hmm. so good challenge of a challenger Ooh. seriously Tommy way to bring the house down seriously um, that's why the mic is now on the floor <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So yeah, that's the, an old joke. The next part, um, <clears throat> the next part of this is so obviously the Enneagram is all about like um, building relationships and building a community. That's what we're all for. It's about you know uh, figuring out that the body is made up of all different people and it needs us all, right? So I love this because I love how the Enneagram has affected the way that I approach my relationships and like knowing myself better so I can be better in my relationships with people. And so have you seen your knowing that you're a challenger affect your relationships with any type, whether it be, like, have you seen that play out in your certain relationships, friendships, family, marriages, things like that? They're all staring away. <laughs> relationships. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> um, a lot of it has been talked about, but, like, I'm not really into, like, sharing tender emotions. Mm. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't feel them. Um, and James earlier said something about um, conflict being, like, an intimacy mm -hmm. level. Uh, that, to me, that's what... Uh, gets into my tender emotions is when you work through something honestly it doesn't have to be yelling it's just even if you disagree you share your inner feelings about something and that to me that's tender emotions not you know other things that some other people might interpret as that but that's not always um, viewed the same by someone who isn't coming from that perspective so that is something I've had to know that like my husband for example comes into the relationship with a different perspective and so this whole Enneagram thing reading about his number and my number has really helped uh, me understand when not to push let's talk this out and 
you know, when to back off, when to do this or that. So it's, it helps that way. And even as a teacher, it helps because you can pick out your, your kids' numbers without knowing them, without knowing what they are, without mm -hmm. them having tested. And you can say, oh, they're coming from this, from this perspective. Like, I don't tolerate, uh, I have a hard time with uh, laziness or things that people don't want to do things. And so that's hard for me. But if somebody's coming from a different perspective, then I just need to be more sensitive to that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So authenticity is so important to me, and we've kind of alluded around this, but the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. That's the best way to, to for me, for you to relate to me. And as I, I begin to relate to people and learn about the, the authenticity that comes from them, I've found that in conflict, I, I personally think that we see the deepest levels of authenticity. There's an intensity in that conflict that tends to unlock that. That's not, what I've learned is it's not completely true. People can still be deceptive. Um, but, it, but the more you can pull off the, the masks that we wear in our lives to get to the deepest truth, um, then I feel like then I feel like we can we can relate to one another. The other thing I would say is I look at the other numbers. Um, I, I've learned, because I love justice and I love to protect and to stick up for like the orphan and the widow. And I love that part of the Bible, like right, like that's the part that that just opens up for me. This idea of the the widow and the orphan in their distress. And I have these students who have so many of our students have just so many things going on in their lives. And I really um, I think about it, like in this pandemic, the ones that are staying at home right now, and home's not a good place. It's the most toxic place in their in the world, and we're not we're not able to provide for them, and that really. Um, that irritates me, and it's it's a, it's a challenge. I don't like that. You know, I don't like that. I can't I can't do anything uh, about that. You know, so that, that's the kind of thing. I guess that's how it's it's affected me. Yeah. yeah. Um, affecting relationships. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Like how good Locking or bad. Affecting relationships. Yeah. Um, I would say before the enneagram test, I just I didn't I guess think about. I've always tried to put myself in other people's shoes, I would say, just because I'm about, like, justice. Like, even if we have a conflict or a fight or whatever the scenario is, like, I'm all about, like, the right way to do it and the right um, resolvement, I guess. Um, whether that's disagreeing or whatever, but at the end of the situation, it's over. So I would say um, it's caused me to butt heads with people, um, also I guess before, when I was introducing myself, I forgot to mention that I uh, I own my own business as a contractor, and I feel like my personality is very, um, it comes out a lot at work, a lot more at work, I guess, because I have to be in charge in a way, and at the same time, though, the contractors get a bad rap because they're all like, look at this, look at what this person did to my house, like years down the road of where they failed or whatever and so we kind of get a bad rap but I'm always about being in there and doing the right thing um, the first time and it also I guess different people that I that is under me that work for me it's hard for me to see their point of view a lot of times so I have to always step back and before I get mad or critique people or do things because I'm always um, I guess I'm a critic of my own work but um, it's hard whenever other people are doing work under your name as well, because I want it all to be authentic and um, I don't know, just whatever it is. I'm kind of going in a circle here. No, you're dropping truth bombs today. That I, this has been really revealing for me personally. Just <laughs> listen to you. You're yeah, sagely. One of the things are sagely, yeah. One of the things I really like that the Enneagram has done is like what I mentioned laziness earlier. Like we define things different. Like my definition of laziness or insecurity or weakness or vulnerability is probably different than someone coming from a different number. Yeah. Who define who doesn't look at that as the same way that I do. So it's like the perspective thing has been really big for me. Like, oh, this person just doesn't know what to do. It's not that they're lazy. Yeah. They just don't know what to do. So I've got to consider that. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's good. 
Yeah, I love that one. When I was in high school, one of my friends said we both see the color orange, but I might see the like the orange a little bit lighter than you see it, or I might see it a little bit darker than you see it. It's orange, but it just it comes off in a different way. Mm-hmm. See, because I've never not known what to do. Like if I don't, then I just do it anyway. <clears throat> like I figure mm-hmm. it out. But somebody else might not have that. Yeah. Same like uh, self confidence or to do that. Yeah. So I've got to be sensitive to that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, That's really good. Yes, you guys are. I'm learning. I'm just sitting back here learning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, going into the Bible, what is one passage or verse of scripture that you really like and really lean on heavily in your own life? Because we've seen like a trend of uh, the other numbers that we ask this, they typically choose a verse that you know fits their personality or helps them, or you know, something like that. So, I always love asking this question. Mm Um, mine, and I don't know how this fits in or why, but it just always stuck out to me when I read the Bible. It's like one of those that just comes alive and gives you goosebumps. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it is. You know, it's in Revelation. Whenever he talks about, um, he is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last and the beginning and the end. It's like, that sums up everything that is our God. That in the end, like, he is in charge. He is in control. Um... Before there was even time, he was there. He was making all these decisions, and it just kind of put me in a humbling place of no matter your personality or whatever it is, it's just like he is the ultimate authority. He's the ultimate in charge, and and rest easy on that. That That's why his burden is so wide is because he is the alpha. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, the eighth when we walk in the room, we, we want to see who's competent, who's leading, and... And that's that was the verse that like really was like I have the most competent God of there ever could be. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think for me as an eight, when I uh, I've grew up in church, but when I really started to get into the scripture, the truth of it really resonated with me as an eight because I'm so into like truth. Okay. Well, Jesus. Truth isn't a thing or concept. It's a person. Jesus is truth. I love John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. To me, I love that because that's absolute. It's authentic. It's genuine. It's true. And he is truth. And so it's easy for me to like completely surrender to truth because that's what eight's like. And so it's, it's like, I can't get enough of truth. Mm. And so since he is truth, um, I can't, I, I want to learn, learn, learn more. And also I love John 3.30. He must increase, I must decrease. He must become greater, I must become less. Because eights have a tendency to make themselves greater. So I have to remember, no, I got to put truth there. Mm. Yeah. Truth the person. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. Woo! I'm getting that tattooed somewhere. <laughs> so, uh, so for me, the, my favorite gospel is the Gospel of John for just that reason. Um, and I, I think about when Pilate, Pontius Pilate, asked Jesus, "What is truth?" He didn't realize he was staring in the face. I just that, I always think about that oh, when I get to that, good. you know, that passion narrative, um, uh, John's account. Anything, I think uh, Peter was an eight, if I had to type a disciple. So I think a lot of things that Peter says resonate with me. But actually, my favorite um, passage of Scripture probably deals with the intensity. And that's Paul in Philippians 4, uh, when he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Uh, you know, uh, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God in the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed that prayer over people who are dying in a hospital. Or I've prayed that prayer with people who are in some kind of crisis. They just found out their their kid has cancer or, 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 or they're just struggling with their identity or where they are or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, I think it's a challenging passage for me because it, it talks about peace and that's sometimes the most elusive thing for an eight is um, we can be real self-confident, but sometimes it can be really hard to have inner peace mm. because there's a thousand things going on. And, and 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 Tommy said something earlier that I think is right. We're the most intensely critical people. We can be the most intensely critical people, but there's nobody 
that's more intensely critical of themselves than an eight. I am mm. hypercritical of myself. No matter no what, you can level criticisms at me. You'll never touch the way I criticize or evaluate myself. It's just a different standard, and and not applying that standard to other people that can be a challenge. So, um, yep, that's some, that's my scripture. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Okay, this has been so fun. Uh, we're gonna like culminate this with a big bow here, and I feel like this question is particularly like. Uh, relevant to the people sitting at this table because we're all community people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I think... Our and we're all part of the same community. Yeah, our intention with this, like, um, season, I guess you would call it, this podcast or this, like, doing this Enneagram um, is to figure out how we can best serve our community and how we can be the best kingdom worker we can be in our community. And so, how can you use the blessing of an eight to ser- to best serve your church or your community? Well, I think that we are extremely passionate. We like to get things done. We're going to do them right. Uh, We're going to gather the troops or empower the people around us to uh, get on the train of whatever it is we're doing, and we're going to make sure that it's going in the right direction. And I think we're eager to support those around us, and we we have a huge heart. Uh, We truly care. We go at things all in and I think that's extremely beneficial for community I agree 100% Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that we're dependable like we're always going to be there no matter what like you can always lean on an 8 Especially like in time of crisis, because I feel like that's whenever I think that's whenever AIDS come alive is in crisis, and you want to be looked at and make the decisions. And so, whenever we see injustice or a crisis in somebody's life, it's just a natural tendency to want to step in and be that person that they can lean on, because that's where life is for us is helping in that way. I guess is being a rock for somebody that doesn't have one or has um, been misplaced. And I think, too, in a community of church, it is um, not only being that rock, but like showing what Jesus is for them, too, is that rock as well. And that's when I get the most joy is seeing somebody in distress or hurt and having, um, having somebody look to me, and then I can just point straight to God and say, Look, this is where my life is not lined up, and I needed somebody, but people will always let you down, um, but God never will. I love that. It's like eight, like you're okay shouldering the burden of those, like that crisis. Like you're okay, and it's like such an image of Jesus that he can shoulder all of our crisis and all of our burdens. Mm-hmm. And eight, so like really portray that image really well in crisis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the bystander effect is that, you know, somebody gets hurt and there's a crowd of people and nobody does anything. Eights don't suffer from bystander effect, I don't think. And um, I don't think there's much to add to what Tommy and Shanda have already said. It's really... That's really uh, good stuff. You know, we can be we can be destructive in a community when we don't use our 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 natural ability to lead correctly, and when we're not humble, we can we can easily let that kind of ruin a community. Yeah. But when we're at our best, we have that uh, opportunity to be magnanimous and to to be someone that people can turn to because we're we're reflecting Christ, right? So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really quick, I have one last question. Um, what what is one tidbit of advice that you would give to someone else who is in your enneagram number who's tested as an eight? Patience is key. That is the hardest thing I think I have is patience for everything. Patience for other people. Patience for yourself. Patience for um, just time to um, or for God to sanctify you, really. Because I think we're all about go, go, go. It has to be done right now. And so I know that was the biggest part for me, especially when I became a Christian, is like I wanted to know God fully right now. I wanted to be um, not struggle with sin right now. I wanted to do everything right now. And I think the patience of letting God and His process of sanctification um, happen 
And it's not all about rush, rush, rush. It's about slow down and let God work. Amen. Whoa! Man, can you imagine if you hadn't come on this? It's a good thing Shanda Crosby walked into this house today and said, Tommy, are you doing this? Yes, people. Breakthroughs aren't drive-throughs. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Tattoo. Another one. Another tattoo. Uh-oh. I'm going to be tatted up. (laughs) Tommy, what could we possibly add? Seriously. Gosh, that's so good. Okay. Okay. I have loved this. Me too. I just sat back and learned. I, I know. We were just lounging and they were all answering. And I've fine. just been learning so much. Shout it's, out to you all for doing this because yeah. it's awesome and fun. I love it every week. Thanks. Aww. We love it too. I just love seeing, like, my favorite thing about this whole podcast this time has just been, like, all of you all tested as an eight, but seeing your different viewpoints and opinions. Because just because you're one number doesn't mean you're exactly this number. We've talked about this a million times, so it doesn't just put you in a box. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just the way that you see the world. And even in the same number, you can see the world differently than mm-hmm. someone else. You and know? each, even though you are the same number, each person brings something special. Yeah. Even in the same number. We're Definitely. all special and unique in our own ways, even though we're some of us are the same number right exactly yeah we might be the same tendencies but we have our unique gifts that god has gifted us with that's right so well guys this has been super fun have you guys had fun so fun oh yeah blast I'm so glad that you all were here. I'm so glad we got a panel. We needed to get, like, more people. I know. I was going to say, I kind of like this. I know. We're all sitting around our living room or our dining room table, and Mm. it's just so fancy. Anyways, um, (laughs) but thank you all for joining us this week. We hope that you learned a lot. Please forward this to your friend that's an eight so that they can learn a lot about themselves. Um, Join us next week. We have a nine. It's our final Enneagram week, which is crazy. I'm kind of sad. I'm kind of sad, too. Season two, coming to an end. Mm. It's okay. We're going to close season two and open up season three, and I'm going to be pumped about it. Um, But we're going to have a nine, and nine is the Peacemaker. So we will have a nine to share on the Peacemaker. The Peacemaker is super cool because, just really quick, a fun fact, as a nine, you... Um, are the only number who can see through every number's lens. You can actually see, you can be like, okay, well, oh, you're an eight, so I understand like where you're coming from, or I understand this, you know? So that's really cool. Um, but you'll learn more about it next week. <laughs> Anyways, we're so glad you could join us. And as always, thank you for listening to Sundays, Sundays at 7. 7. Bye, guys.